With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. Hello, it is Ryan, and I was on a flight the other day playing one of my favorite social spin slot games on ChumbaCasino.com. I looked over the person sitting next to me, and you know what they were doing? They were also playing Chumba Casino. Coincidence? I think not. Everybody's loving having fun with it. Chumba Casino is home to hundreds of casino-style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere, even at 30,000 feet. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com to claim your free welcome bonus. That's ChumbaCasino.com and live the Chumba life. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void or prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Welcome to another episode of They Got Now. This is your host, Mark Schindler. As always, before we get started today, if you've not already, be sure to rate and review us over on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to, to, to your podcasts. Um, I'm really excited to be joined by someone who uh, is really uh, somebody fascinating to look at and, and what his career has been like and uh, has taken on a new position, obviously, in the last couple of months with the Connecticut Sun. That's Darius Taylor. Uh, Darius, how are you doing today, man? I'm doing great, Mark. Thanks for having me on. Yeah, no, I uh, I appreciate you making the time. So uh, I always enjoy your answers and, and, and availability. And I really wanted to pick your brain just about your career and and basketball in general. Um, I, the first first things first. I mean, obviously, it feels like forever ago that it was November. But how you know what have what have the first four months been like for you? How have you felt? Uh, kind of you know getting 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 used to the GM job. Yeah, I mean it's you know it's been it's been a whirlwind. You know. Um, yeah from sitting in the seat, you know, a few months ago when I was still working for Atlanta to now, you know, being the GM of Connecticut, it's exciting. It's also challenging. Um, you know, I've had to do a lot of stuff a first year GM doesn't normally do, you know, it's, it's, um, and so I've, I've learned a lot, um, and I'm, I'm still learning a lot and it's been exciting, but also, um, I, I feel like my career path has kind of help prepare me for this position and you still you know like I said you, you're going to still have a learning curve and you'll you'll still look at look back at things and say oh maybe I could have done that differently or I should have been thinking about this mm-hmm. I mean it's all part of the process you know but it's the experience that you're getting and and some of it is the you know as a group and as a unit you know we collaboratively talk about a lot of different things and scenarios and so that's been helpful to not feel like you're doing it by yourself and that's you know that's not that's not how we operate as an organization anyway yeah no you guys have so much experience across the basketball world and what you guys have in connecticut which i'm excited to see how that can be going you guys just announced a couple more hires today to round out the staff mm-hmm. um you know mentioning your background too like you went to u of m uh played there obviously um and we're right after the steve fisher era if i remember correctly um like uh, tail- one year for steve fisher yeah so like mm-hmm. just just after you know Fab Five and everything, uh, what mm-hmm. a what was that transition like for you? Because I know you went uh, you were around uh, Chicago. Um, mm-hmm. What was the transition like for you to become a college athlete and then 
going from there into experience, you know, being on a, a highly competitive team with where U of M was at at the time. Cause like, I think it's easy for people to forget, like they've, they've been better recently, but mm-hmm. like national power in the, in the mm-hmm. mid to late nineties. Um, yeah. No. I mean, I, I, when I was growing up in high school, I mean, the, the fab five is who I watched that, you know, was the reason I wanted to go to Michigan really, to be honest. Yeah. Um, and so, you know, when I was in high school playing, you know, I, I didn't know where where I would end up going to school. And so I didn't play AU because my parents were teachers. So in the summers, we we went um, on vacation a lot. And so I, I just didn't get that exposure with the elite mm-hmm. level and, and, and get the opportunity to be in front of college coaches like that. So And, you know, then as much as both my parents were, were coaches, like didn't really know about the the whole recruiting uh, pro, uh, process. And so, you know, I found myself as a senior in high school, kind of still, you know, reaching out to schools myself. Um, and it's funny, a guy who was, I don't know, he was doing a, some kind of study at our school. And so he wanted to interview athletes. And I was one of the people that went kind of consistently, like whenever he, you know, uh, came up to our school to visit. And he was like, you know, if you could go to any school, you know, where would it be? And he was like, uh, and I told him the University of Michigan. And so I think the next time he came back, um, he had a private scholarship application that he thought I would qualify for to go to Michigan. And I was just like, whoa, okay. And so I filled out the, the paperwork and applied for the scholarship and I got the scholarship. And so before that, I was going to the University of Illinois. Um and like I said, again, I wasn't highly recruited because of my situation. And so I was just like, I'm going to walk on wherever I go. I, I don't I'm, I have no doubt that I can walk onto a team and and play at that level. And and so that's what I did. I, I went to Michigan on an academic scholarship and then got a um, got on an athletic scholarship once I got there. But I was through a lot of hard work and perseverance because uh, my first year I couldn't play. I did something to my hand. And so my second year, uh, you know, when I walked on, um, you know, a couple of years after that, they put me on athletic scholarship. And so, I mean, it was it was a feat because you, you talk about going to try out for a team with a hundred and some other people in a packed gym and, how, how are you going to get noticed, um, you know, to be – and most universities at that level at the time recruited their walk-ons. So mm-hmm. they recruited their walk-ons and just kind of – that way they didn't have to deal with open tryouts and stuff like that. And I don't even know if they do that stuff anymore, to be honest. Uh, but that's that's kind of how I ended up at, at the University of Michigan. I had the opportunity to play with some great players, um, you know, the late Robert Trailer, Maurice Taylor, who played in the NBA, Rob Ward, Louis Bullock. Uh, Macy O'Bastin, and then my my senior year, I played with Jamal Crawford. Um, so those are some guys that, that that played in the NBA, and a lot of guys that played overseas and had great careers. Yeah, not not a bad collection of names right there. Uh, no, no, yeah, uh, I'm not saying we have beef, but I went to Michigan State, so uh, you know it, it was okay. it was funny. I actually I grew up a giant Michigan fan. I was the, oh, the yeah. we, we had to deal with the Flintstones yeah. when I was there, so we didn't have a good record against Michigan. Oh State. yeah, that team, those teams were fun. It's right when Izzo's getting going, and like yeah, mm-hmm. I uh, so I grew up a Michigan fan. Then I went to uh, I went to go to campus at U of M. And I ended up like I got out of the car. And I was like, "This just isn't me." And then we went to we went to Michigan State. I'd like never thought about it before. I was like, 
place kind of rocks and it like for, mm-hmm. for whatever reason the way it worked it like you know i ended up going there and transferred out after a couple of years but like you know just okay. wanted the way things work but um you know in terms of coming out of of, of college too um you know something because I, I i didn't make it you know as far as i wanted to injuries you know as you know that happens but mm-hmm. um, i was working on a pro boxing career which uh that again like that derailed but you know figuring out what was next i think was maybe the hardest thing for me so what was right. for you you know getting out of college i know you graduate with a degree in sports management mm-hmm. um and, and communications what what was that process like for you and kind of figuring out what was next did you already have it mapped out or was it a little bit of a well, I mean, it was, so I, I learned really early about just networking and, and staying in touch with people in high school even when i was in high school i mean some of the things i did um from internships and, and things like that like i always stay connected to people so i would reach out like and you know just try to learn learn different jobs and what people were doing uh, i actually changed my major when i was at michigan so i was a computer engineering major i changed oh, to wow. sport management and communications and you know I, I met a lot of interesting people in that in that in that field and so one of the things that kind of helped me right out the gate was, you know, Michigan had a, a relationship with Nike at the time. And I applied for their adrenaline internship. And so when I finished um, college, I, I went out to Oregon, Beaver, Beaverton, and I worked at the Nike uh, headquarters for three months. Um, and so I just learned all the different things that I didn't know about the business from being there as an intern and how, you know, what it takes to make a shoe and all the different apparel stuff that they had. So I was working with ACG footwear marketing, but the Jordan brand was right above me, one floor. So I spent a lot of my time upstairs in the Jordan brand. And I was lucky enough to had the sample size was size 13, which is the size I wore. So I was getting stuff and wearing stuff that had never come out before, or they scrapped it. Um, so that was a fun time. I enjoyed it. And, and again, from there, I made lots of relationships and I, I found out about opportunities to apply for um, different Nike positions, which uh, one of the positions I went after was, is an Eakin. So it's kind of like the field rep for Nike to kind of keep their ear to the streets, like what's hot and what what consumers are looking for and what they think about their products. Um, and so I just learned a lot um, interning at Nike, which opened up other doors. You know, I interviewed for some jobs um, and one of the jobs I actually ended up being offered but at the same time they kind of wanted me to stay on board until they could find something full-time and I was just like this is long you know it's far away from Chicago for me and I felt like with a Michigan degree and and my experience playing basketball like I thought there would be other opportunities for me and so I went back home um, and then I got the Big Ten internship Um, and so working at the Big Ten I learned all about what it takes to you know uh, run championships and tournaments and just what a, a, a front office uh, does in terms of being able to keep all their teams and their conference together and and managing all those sports. And so it was a great experience for me. And that's where I met uh, then the commissioner, Jim Delaney, who became a good friend of mine. Um, and he's the one that kind of presented the USA basketball opportunity to me. He's like, hey, I know this position's coming open. I think you'd be good for it. You get a chance to work with the elite coaches and athletes on the men's and the women's side uh, in the world and also get a chance to kind of travel the world as as well. And so 
I got offered a Nike job and the USA job at the same time. And I had to pick between the two. And it's, it's funny because the Nike job was actually in Chicago. Yeah. So it was hard to turn that down. But I just knew that USA basketball would open up so many more doors uh, for me. Um, and at the time, I was still trying to figure out if I really wanted to coach or what I wanted to do um, in the sports world. So just I felt like USA basketball was the next step. And it, again, it's a long, long winded answer. And I apologize for that. But no, you don't. That's just what it, it's it, for, man. It's really, you know, it's based off of just networks and relationships that I built and just, you know, seizing opportunities to get experience and kind of dibble and dabble to figure out what it is I really wanted to do or what that next step was. Yeah. No, I appreciate that. I think part of what is cool about that is um, how many things you tried. Like, I think that so many people just get, uh, at least in my generation, get like really um focused in on on one thing that they want to do yep. and then you know when that doesn't work out it's kind of like well what do we do now and i you know I, that again like i mentioned that's something i really struggled with so kind of finding something different was um you know being willing to to figure out how to how to not even that not saying that you failed but like being willing to like try different things without necessarily seeing it all the way through or or having a new opportunity pop up like that's that's really interesting um so obviously you know from there you go and you work at temple uh on don staley's staff how did you first get connected with Don? I'm assuming through USA Basketball, right? Yeah, it was actually USA Basketball. So my first, maybe my first trip with USA Basketball where I traveled with the team. Um, we so I always travel with the the junior teams and the senior teams, they call it. So the senior teams is, you know, at the time that year, 2002, was a world championship team. So that was a team Don was a point guard for. So Don was on that team. So I got to know Dawn because I was essentially like the the manager of the team, like basically made sure practice was set up, um, you know, did some of the logistical stuff to get the players there, picking them up, washing clothes. Um, and then also, you know, because of my playing experience, I, I would scrimmage against them. And so I got to know Dawn and a lot of those players really well and some of them are still really good friends so that's when I first met Dawn and how I got to know her and just spending time with her that we developed a relationship and she started you know she could kind of see my work ethic and and see my basketball knowledge um which ended up opening up opening up an opportunity for me when you know she had a coaching opening you know she called me yeah no that's amazing and especially too like Looking back, because I was, I mean, I was probably like six or seven then. So I, I wasn't really super aware of what was going on with Temple. But, mm -hmm. you know, recognizing where that program was at, you know, when you when when she first got there and then when you're getting there too, like obviously Candace Dupree's on the team. Um, mm -hmm. What was that experience like, you know, as that team's kind of like hitting its heights and, and being part of that? I mean, you know, they they, they did a really good job of, of recruiting um, for that league because it, at the time, you know, Temple – GW, um, Xavier later, uh, when Kevin McGuff was there, like I had some NBA, I mean, WNBA talent. And mm -hmm. so they get a good job of, of recruiting players that kind of fit the culture and what she was looking for. And when I got there, you know, um, they had already been, you know, doing pretty well, but, but also like having me on board, I think helped too, just with, um, uh, especially with Candace Dupree's development, just, you know, having somebody that would challenge her in practice and she could play the one-on-one -on -one against um, at the end of practice uh, and just continue to, you know, help her take her game to another level um, to, to play in the WNBA. Um, and so 
you know, it was, you know, those are some really good teams. We actually had two uh, WNBA players because another player about uh, Kamisha Harrison got drafted, but she had, um, you know, her season, her career was kind of hindered by injury. Mm-hmm. Uh, but we had some good, some good players on, on those teams and, and some of them, you know, still work with her now. Um, yeah. So it's fun. Yeah, no, especially mentioning that too. Like, obviously, you know, Dawn goes and takes the SC job. If I remember correctly, you stayed at Temple for two more years under I can't remember her name right now, Tanya Cardoza. No, um, I was oh. I was there four years with Dawn. Only. Okay, I, then Wikipedia I, lied the to only me. But college coach I've worked for. So I okay, that's my bad. Four years uh, with Dawn from two thousand four to two thousand eight. Same year she took the South Carolina job. I I went to the NBA, so it's kind of like that toward the end of the season. Um, you know, after I left, she took the she took the South Carolina job. Okay. Well, when you so what what'd you do for the NBA then? Uh so while I was at the NBA, I, I was um kind of off the court player development. So a lot of the programs uh that the the league has in conjunction with the players association, uh to help the players kind of develop off the court. It was during a time where a lot of you know, a lot of high school players had um, made it to the NBA and they were having a hard transition. And so the department that I worked for was kind of charged with kind of helping that transition. What are the skill sets? What are the soft skills and the things they need to transition and be successful in the league? Um, and, they, you know, it's certainly done for the G League and the WNBA as well. And so I, I just learned a lot about you know, what it takes to be a pro and what are some some skills and some other things that we needed to be helping them with to guide them to to make better decisions and to, you know, to have longer careers. Yeah, no, that's that's really interesting, because I think like especially too when you're watching, like, I mean, you can go watch Darius Miles's highlights from when he's coming out of high school and be like, oh, wow, you know, like I totally see mm-hmm. him translating. But like, I'm sure like he'd tell anybody like, yeah, dude, me coming from high school to, to playing in the NBA was that's it took a lot to figure that out like oh, yeah. i can't even imagine i can't imagine being 18 and be like all right well i'm playing against somebody who's played for like 12 years like that's got to be yeah. so different um because mm-hmm. like the maturity level too like it's not even just maturity is maybe the wrong word but like just the the like who you are at 18 compared to who you are at like even just 25 i feel like oh, yeah. it's such a different mindset absolutely um, so what made you want to go back to work with dawn and you know back at sc uh well you know the one the one hang up at temple was you know we 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 would always kind of get out talented so we could never um recruit enough to be able to you know upset some of those bigger schools to you know our goals is we wanted to win the championship or go further in the tournament mm-hmm. and while I was working at the NBA it was right around the time the economy started doing bad and and they were cutting jobs and my, my job didn't get cut but I just felt like you know, it could have been next, but I also thought that, you know, there was only so far I could go with the NBA. Like NBA is a great place to work, but you know, there are ceilings and, you know, there's certain departments that you could do well in if you're in sales or if you're a lawyer or, you know, some other specialty positions and, you know, they've grown since then, but that I felt like had more of an opportunity. And so when Don got to South Carolina and was starting to get that going, you know, I looked at the SEC and I looked at, um, you know, kind of what she was building and felt like it was more of an opportunity to win the national championship. So I, I went back to work with her um, because I felt like we could do that. And so I I, I left the the front office world and 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 uh, 
and went back to coaching. Yeah. What was that transition like going back? Um, Cause I feel like that's always gotta be an interesting thing to do. You know, obviously, you know, you're working in the same realm, but it's, it's completely mm-hmm. different jobs for sure. Yeah. I mean, but you know, I, I think each experience you learn something that helps you along the way to be better at, you know, what, what you're currently doing. And so I, I think my experience at the league, you know, helped me be able to, um, you know, some of the other stuff we were doing for our players and the academic advising stuff and things like that, like really paying attention and honing in on those things. Because, again, when I got to South Carolina, we were we were developing. We weren't where they are now. And so we were getting a lot of players that, you know, were rough around the edges that we had to, um, you know, work work on and, and, and help them um, be be more polished in terms of just – you know, we we weren't getting the big name players. Like we we were getting players, and we were you know with their work ethic and 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 just our culture, we were able to you know win with less. I would say, and so um, I, I do think I remember now when I first got there that Kelsey Bone was there, and Kelsey Bone transferred to A and M. Funny enough, um, and so I was just like, wait, wait where is she where is she going? Like we losing the, our uh, I think she was the um, SEC freshman of the freshman of the year, and then she left and, and went to A and M. So that was a big plug to fill. Um, but you know, again, we 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 did more with less. Um, we was able to help turn that program around to where it is today. Um, and so I'm really proud proud of that. Yeah, no, without a doubt. And I think like just looking at where they were when. Um, a when Don first got there, but then when you're, I think you, you guys went 17 and 15 your first year there, if I remember correctly. I, I sure yeah, my first year there, I think we went to the WNIT. Yeah, uh, I can't remember what our SEC record was. It wasn't great, but I think we won enough games to go to WNIT, and then from there on, we went to the tournament every year. Yeah, um, you know, obviously, you know, I think from from the outside, it's easy to see like you know the talent starts getting better. You guys are recruit recruiting is is huge, but from the inside, what is that process like? Like when you guys are sitting down as a staff saying, this is what we're doing to, because obviously, I mean, you're doing stuff for that year, but when you're a program like that, that's trying to become a powerhouse, like that's your, your focus on what you're doing for the next two or three years, not just one. So like, what is that process like? And, and, you know, kind of sitting down as a staff and trying to target some things to really hit on. I mean, well, you know, the first thing is you got to, um self-evaluate where you are with your with your team so what what is your team best at you know we had to outwork people we were small we were undersized and so we had to play differently we had to be more aggressive um you know we did a lot of unconventional things um you know to win but we 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 had to play hard that was the first thing we had to defend we had to rebound um and, you know, you have to have, you, you know, you have to have the right culture, but you also have to have a little luck, too. I, I think when we, you know, being in South Carolina, a pool of talent start started developing and growing. So by the time we had kind of got rolling and got better, it made it more attractive for those players to want to stay home. But because before, you know, big big name schools could just come pick kids out your back backyard. And yeah. so um i think you know again we we got really lucky with the talent pool that was coming out of south carolina that helped raise the the you know just the the level and the uh 
just who South Carolina was. Like nobody knew who South Carolina was at the time. Um, and so it was just, just a growing process of continuing to get better, get better every year and continue to um, get better players as well and, and competing against the better uh, programs in the country. And that that's kind of how, how the process went and how it got working. And then, you know, you get one, you know, top ranked kid to say yes. And then, you know, you get two, and before you know it now, I mean, they, they're turning people away probably. Um, yeah. And so, um, but it's a process. It's a process that takes time to build. Um, you know, some people do it faster than others, but uh, that was kind of the first process. It was a grind at first, just kind of and trying to outwork people, whether that was on the court, whether that was recruiting, um, you know, making sure you did the little things that kind of start helping your program stick out to parents and to coaches and to people, you know, watching on TV. Yeah, no, for sure. I think that's part of what was fun in going back and, and looking at some of this stuff is like, you know, at least for me, like I'm just used to South Carolina being South Carolina, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, so it's like, you know, it, it, I think it really gives you a different appreciation for, for what it is now and what it took to get there. Um, did you like recruiting? I know I'm, I'm always fascinated to ask mm-hmm. coaches that. You know, I, I enjoyed it then when I was what they do now. No, I don't. <laughs> yeah. What, 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 you know, cause it's so much stuff you gotta do now. You gotta like the tweets and all like, that's too much. Like you never have a, can have a somewhat semi-normal life when you got to do so much. And like, I, I think recruiting is a grind already. And I enjoyed it because you got to know people, you got to figure out, you know, kind of what, what buttons to push to uh, attract those people to your university or to you. Um, and so I, I enjoyed it when I did it, but like I said, now I don't, I don't know if I would enjoy it. It's just, it's just too much. Yeah, no, I agree. I think that would be, a, that would be a lot. Uh, exactly. Yeah. Like you mentioned, like I already struggle with work, work-life balance enough and I try and imagine yeah. like having to do that. It's like, no, nah, man, I don't know about that, but um you know, obviously, you know, going from there, you guys make the final four, your final year, first final four in school history. Mm-hmm. Um, and from there, too, uh, you know, obviously, like your your wife takes the job at, at Georgia. Mm-hmm. Um, and uh, then I, I, I did not know there were nepotism laws, honestly, until I read about mm-hmm. this. Um, mm-hmm. I kind of took the backseat um, for, you know, obvious reasons. I'm, I was getting I was getting married. I'm, I'm a real big person. I'm big in, on family. Like, I think that's yeah. important for family to be together, family to be around. And, you know, we had, before she got the Georgia job, we had actually thought about living in Augusta because at the time she was assistant in Georgia. Yeah. And out of South Carolina. So we had thought about living in Augusta and just commuting, you know, both ways. And then when she got the Georgia job, it was just like, well, could we still do that? I just, you know, I just felt funny. Like, it'd be, I'd be recruiting against her. And so I just it didn't it didn't sit well with me. And so that's when I, I decided to um resign. And I and I felt like with my experience outside of coaching, other opportunities would be there for me. And so um, you know, I, I took that time while I wasn't coaching and I I officiated a little bit. I got my real estate license um in Georgia. Um, you know, I did some training, like I, I was, I was training kids as well. So I started like a basketball training, um, company as well. So I got to do a lot of different things and just try stuff and figure it out. And then I also started doing like, um, career advising for athletes. So I, I was working for a company called Athlife and we were working with, you know, professional athletes of, I mean, from wrestling to football to the NBA, retired players and, 
and different uh, other sports. Uh, it's kind of helping them with, you know, career advice and also, you know, them continue their educations. And so I got to do a lot of things when I was out of coaching until it called me back um, in 2018 when I started um, with the Atlanta Dream as assistant. Yeah. Uh, I mean, there's a lot of really interesting stuff to dig into there, but I think the biggest one I want to ask, what do you think made you like, made gave you like the biggest perspective shift as a coach without coaching um i think as i would probably say uh career advising because i think that you know you really start looking at players as people first when you start doing stuff like that and you're like man I'm working with some of the greatest athletes that people will never know. And, you know, they, you know, they don't have it all together either, you know, and it's just like, you start really like, you know, they're, they're human beings first, they're people first and they, they, they go through stuff just like we all do. And so I, I really, you know, I always take that into account, even when making decisions now as a GM, like how would I want to be treated, you know, as a person um, and not as an, necessarily an asset or a um, a talent you know and so that's I think that's the biggest perspective I got from it definitely um and, and you know mentioning going to to Atlanta uh a what I mean that was your first experience you know coming into the WNBA what was that mm -hmm. uh that feeling out process like you know obviously like you've been working women's basketball so it's not like it's mm -hmm. a, a, a giant leap but what was you know the initial process like of getting into that uh, you know, it's different because on the pro level, like, you know, I think the players have a lot of power, but I, I also think they're, they're smarter and they know the game. So you can't, you know, you can't BS, you know, pros like they, they've been involved in enough programs and some of them played in their experience. So you can't BS them. So I, I, my first year was more of a, let me sit back and learn and, and, and watch. And, you know, I fill in where, you know, where I needed to and, and, you know, where I had expertise in, but I, a lot of it was observing how the pro game is, how is, you know, how different it is, how the players are a little more, a little older and more mature most, in most cases. Um, And now, you know, again, I've been around elite athletes with USA basketball, so I, I wasn't, um, it wasn't something that I wasn't, uh, familiar with, but it was just kind of getting reacclimated and how, you know, it's coaching style is a little different. You know, it's a lot, there's a lot more collaboration, I think at the pro level than, you know, for some, for some pro teams versus just how you coach, you know, I think how you coach is different than, than you do in college. You have to be a little more demanding. I think sometimes in college and, and, you know, kids are younger. So it's just a different approach. Yeah, no, for sure. That totally makes sense. Um, you know, in terms of like shifting into the assistant GM role last year and with, mm -hmm. you know, I went and I, I did a profile on on you guys as an organization and um, A, it was really just kind of fascinating diving into how everything had changed over the last couple of years with new ownership. And mm -hmm. um, I was wondering, you know, what you think you took away most from last year and and how you're going to, how you think you would apply it um, or what, what you think you're going to apply most, you know, moving mm -hmm. forward with Connecticut. Yeah. Um, you know, it was my first year in the front office, you know, in my previous years as assistant, um, the GM then would, would share, share a lot of things with us, um, and scenarios. So I, you know, I was learning some nuances about 
the league, the CBA, and all those things. And then last year, moving into the front office role as assistant GM, uh, just learning from Dan, his processes, and 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 kind of, you know, what things are important uh, on the calendar, and and you know what things, you know, he, he had a preference. Certain things he didn't, you know, if that wasn't his expertise, he would let somebody else handle. It. And and for me, you know, I. I think one is having smart people around you um, and letting them do what they do best. Like, I'm not going to try to step on someone's toes if this is their lane and they're the, you know, making them the expert in that lane and, and, and allowing them to go with it. And, you know, so I think one, not trying to be the person that makes all the decisions is one, I think collaboratively um, getting feedback from, you know, all the staff that are involved is important um, and getting those, you know, different points of view, uh, help make you know the the right decision um you know again it's just how organized he was in terms of when stuff needed to be done and having a calendar of this is the stuff that needs to get done this month this is where we need to work towards so by the time it's time for draft time we'll have all this stuff set um you know another thing i learned was just how you know how much analytics is involved with you know, even just the draft process and with free agency. Um, and it's one of the things that, you know, we'll, we'll use um, as well in Connecticut. And I'm not saying that it happened in the past, but I do think they're, you know, we're learning more as we get more data about women's basketball, you know, we're getting, you know, you're starting to see some trends and things that can help you make, you know, good sound decisions on personnel and, um, you know, certain certain players. Yeah, no, I think that's a really great point because I, uh, A, like, I mean, I, I came from more of an NBA background too. So like um, the difference in data is stark and I think it's, I'm hoping that it starts to get better and it's going to like, I mean, there, I think there are some companies that are already doing really great stuff, but mm -hmm. especially in the public sphere, I feel like we're kind of a ways away still from, from getting to a better place with that. But exactly like you mentioned, I think it's so often there's this idea where it's like, oh, well, analytics, you know, if somebody's using that, that's, that's to make all of their decisions. I'm like, no, it's more just like, I can at least compare something from, you know, 2010 yeah. to now. Like I, so mm -hmm. I do like a little bit of work with this company called Cerebro. Um, and like, I think it's really great for looking at like draft models and stuff. It's less mm -hmm. about like saying draft this player. It's more like, okay, well, what if I, if I look at this player right now, who I think is a really interesting guard that could be like a real like backup in the league or something. Well, okay. Well, how do they compare to somebody from, you know, 2015 or 2017 or like who really compares to them, you know, like that kind of yep. stuff. I feel like it's yep. so key in having and, and projecting stuff out. Um, last thing I really want to ask and, and, and we can wrap up um, okay. in, in coming into Connecticut too. Like, obviously uh, this team has, has done a ton. Like they've been arguably the most consistent team over the last four or five years in the league. Um, how does that kind of change up your process coming in? Cause I know like, obviously you guys had to make some tweaks and changes and I'm really excited to see how yeah. a lot of that's going to play out on court, but you know, instead of, you know, having it be a, a team when you're coming in and it's, it is a, a rebuild, you know, when you're coming into mm -hmm. a team where it's more just, okay, well, we, we have a core, we're going to tweak it a little bit and, and go from there. Mm -hmm. What is, I mean, does that change up your process at all? Or, or how is that, um, how does that change what, what you're doing when you're coming in? You know, I, I think coming from Atlanta to Connecticut, you know, I think it's two organizations and, and two totally different, uh, scenarios you know um atlanta we i knew we were rebuilding and so we you know we had you know we knew we were gonna you know have a lot of young players and we we're gonna have to try to add some 
veteran leadership to kind of help mold those players. In Connecticut, um, you know, you're talking about a, a team that was already successful before I got there, um, but but also could use some retooling, you know, not, not only be stay competitive, but, you know, also be able to compete in the future. And so, um, you know, I think one of the biggest things with teams is is trying to keep the core group together and keep some continuity. You know, you don't want to make a lot of wholesale changes mm-hmm. um, because it just takes teams t- time to gel and mesh. And that team, you know, they had been together a long time and it took them time. Like when they first started out together as young rookies, you know, they they took some bumps and then they got, you know, they, each year they got better and better and more uh, consistent because they played together a long time. You know, some of them been together since the start of their careers. Um, and so, um, you know, that's ultimately one of the key ingredients in trying to be successful is, is having that continuity. And so, you know, we tried to keep the, the core group together as much as possible you know, despite the changes uh, that we made and and put other pieces around that could either fill voids um, that the team was missing in the past or could add value to make up for some of the things we lost. Yeah, well, I, A, a ton of really great stuff in there. B, I'm just, I'm really excited to watch you guys play this year. Um, this is one of my favorite teams to watch last year because it's a, I think part of what's really fun about the W is with just by virtue of there being less rosters, I feel like there's a lot more differences in what the rosters mm-hmm. are. Mm-hmm. Um, so I'm really excited to see what that looks like this year. Um, but but Darius, I really appreciate you making the time, man. It was really great to, to get to know you a little bit and learn more about how you see the game. Um, so, I'm, hey, yeah, I'm looking forward to watching you guys play this year. Awesome. Thank you, Mark. I appreciate the opportunity. And, yeah. uh, you know, anytime. Give me yeah, a shout. Definitely. To, right. to everyone listening, of course, thank you for listening. Most importantly, have a good rest of your day.